Hey friends, welcome to episode 165 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm Dara Swift, your host, and I am so thankful that you're listening in today. This is a powerful episode, and I hope that you will not only glean from my guest today, but you will also share the important, valuable lessons and information that she is going to share with us. My guest this week is Jenny Dent Brandt, and she is the author of Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and Survive Cancer. And she shares simple steps we can all take to not only fight cancer, but to actually prevent it. And you're going to love what she has to share. It's a powerful message for everybody. And really, when we look at the statistics, they are startling. One in two people are going to develop cancer. I mean, that's just crazy. When not long ago, it was one in 30, I think is what she shares with us. We're talking about life-changing, life-giving, and valuable information for lifelong health. And I know what Jenny has to share will encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Jenny. And friends, if you are listening to Fierce Calling, I would love if you would review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts because it will help more people find the show. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And we're going to get started and have this conversation with Ginny. So stay tuned. Welcome back, friends, to Fierce Calling. Today, I'm excited to welcome my friend, Ginny Dent Brandt. You're going to be really blessed by this episode. She's a speaker, a writer, an award-winning writer, I will say, and she grew up in the halls of power in Washington, which is fascinating, and Washington, D.C., not Washington State, so let's clarify that. She has battled cancer, ministered around the world, and served on the front lines of American culture as a counselor, educator, wellness advocate, and adjunct professor. She has two master's degrees from the University of South Carolina in elementary counseling and in education and research. She received her undergraduate degree from Columbia International University in biblical education. So I I just love that Jenny has been so equipped in educating and teaching and sharing and counseling. And as I said, she is an award-winning author. Uh, One of her previous books, was finding true freedom from the white house to the world and we're talking also today about her new newest book her newest release which is unleash your god-given healing eight steps to prevent and survive cancer so jenny welcome to the show it's so great to have you thanks it's great to be here and i would love if you would share a little bit about your story and some of your background and how you are currently taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect? Well, I have to admit, Doris, that um, it took me by surprise when I was diagnosed with cancer just four months after my mother died of cancer and my sister and I were her caregivers. Mm -hmm. And the thing, I kept asking questions because none of it made any sense. The doctor said that here's eight risk factors for the cancer you got you don't have any of those risk factors. So they did extensive genetic testing. I didn't have any genetics for it either. And so what I could do to help my doctors beat it and return to a normal life and lessen the side effects of all of these treatments they're going to bring out that, you know, 
a lot of people really don't want to do. I think the most revealing thing was when the chaplain, I met with a chaplain in, in Chicago, and he said, Jenny, consider this a gift from God for you to help others. And I looked at him and I said, you don't understand. I don't want this gift. This was not a gift I was seeking for. And I certainly wish it would be taken away from me. And he said, oh, I can see it. Your next book. And the first words in it are, this is the book I never wanted to write. Well, wow. Doris, guess what the first words in my book are? <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, so no, I came in yeah. unlikely, unwilling. And then as I began to research, you know, it sent me on a quest to research all these things. And I began to learn, oh my goodness, some of these things I'm doing on an everyday basis are what helped to cause cancer. And people just don't know this. And I didn't know this. And then I felt compelled to share what I had learned with others and to write that book. Mm, wow. So you wrote that book you never wanted to write. That was pretty prophetic <laughs> how the yeah. chaplain was speaking that into your life and how I would imagine it might have started you really praying and seeking in the perspective of your current circumstance maybe changed a little bit when you started thinking or did it take a while for that to sink in or did it even not um, come to mind until a little after that? Well, the first thing I had to do was it's it's normal in a cancer journey to be on this roller coaster ride of fear and worry. Mm -hmm. And I learned very quickly when I started to research, I had to get off that roller coaster. Oh, it was normal to be there and it's going to rear its ugly head throughout the journey, but I couldn't live there on an everyday yeah. basis. So the research gave me a way to feel like I could be a part and an advocate for my own self in improving my prognosis Mm -hmm. in my own cancer journey. And then I get to the end of it where the treatments are over and now they're testing my blood levels later and they go, whoa, we've never seen this before. Your red blood cells, white blood cells and platelets, which should be wiped off the map and should take two to three years to come back to normal if they totally come back, uh, they're back to normal in six weeks. And they started asking me what I was doing differently. And some of it was what they were helping me to do. But a lot of it was what I was researching and some things were totally unintended. What I was doing to relieve stress and get off the roller coaster ride, mm -hmm. all that exercise was actually now is actually now proven to be the best thing a cancer patient can do. Mm, wow. It is fascinating. And you have such an extensive background in, in education and research and all of that. So it seems quite natural that you would want to be intentional and, and be proactive in your own healthcare journey. And I think that's really encouraging to a lot of people because oftentimes they hear the C word either for themselves or a loved one. And right away, their mind just goes right to, okay, that's the end or this is it, or, you know, that they don't really have a lot they are able to do and can just sit back and be reactive. But that's not the case, right, Jenny? No, it's not the case. And too many times today, when something's wrong with us, we go to the doctor and we say, doctor, we've got heart issues. We've got high cholesterol. We've got high blood pressure. This is your responsibility to take care of it. And really, mm. they're going to help us and they can do a lot of wonderful things, but it's our responsibility too. And I looked at this very seriously. I kept saying, Lord, please guide us, direct us. What is it I need to change? I knew in my gut 
that I must need to change something because if this, if the doctors were able to kill my cancer, that was one thing. Then you got to worry about it coming back. And how am I going to keep it from coming back if I don't know what caused it? Now, I'm not saying I learned everything that caused it. I keep learning new things, but I learned significant things that I could change so that my risk of my cancer coming back, which is high because it was aggressive, is now low because I'm actively taking a part in my own health. Mm, that is so important. And I love how you made that point where oftentimes our mindset is to go to the doctor and say, I have this ache, I have this pain, I have this problem. And you know, what, what can we do to fix it? But I've noticed too, a change in some of the doctors that I've seen some of the doctors that my, my parents have been going to, where they're bringing the patient more into decision making and, and like, well, what do you want to do? You know, what do you think we should do? And I know some of it is too, there's, you know, it, it really needs to be both parties working together for the health journey. But, um, and then sometimes I think, well, they probably don't want to lean in the wrong direction and cause any backlash. <laughs> they have so many malpractice suits and things like that. But I think it's more so though, you know, in engaging and inviting the, the patient in because they're more inclined then to do the things that they need to do if they're part of those decision-making processes. So right? he can That's control it, but you have to look at it this way. A lot, when you look at cancer, they're now saying, this is MD Anderson, this is the American Cancer Society, anywhere from 60 to 90% of cancer is caused from our own lifestyle. Mm. So here we're talking about an area that the doctor has no control over, no control over your lifestyle. That is in your department. And so what I did was I actively took control of my lifestyle, looked at what I needed to improve, mm -hmm. what I needed to change based on the research I was finding that can help you to be your own best advocate and change your lifestyle to help fight whatever disease that you're you're up against. My even my uh, hospital of you know hour away that was my second opinion. That doctor mm -hmm. looked at me and he said, "I've never seen a patient go through chemo like you. After four rounds, this is the worst chemo you're on known to mankind. Most people can't lift their head out of the bed for weeks, and you're laughing and smiling. You're bald as a bat." And you walked two miles this morning? He said, this is unheard of. What are you doing differently? I started to tell him and he started taking notes and he went and researched and he got so excited about some of the mm. things that he already knew and then learned more that he wow. said, maybe we should have this for our patients. And he created a way to have it for that hospital system. And now they have it just an hour from me. So in other words, if you're fighting cancer, you could choose to go to that program and they would give you suggestions for what you yourself could do. Wow. And it's so powerful how you were able to share what you were doing and it really got the attention of the, the medical teams that they haven't seen it before. And then you have the component of prayer and being guided by God to uncover and discover a lot of different things that you can do to change a lifestyle. And yeah, that is true how a lot of us don't really lead a very healthy lifestyle. I mean, we might not even smoke or whatever, but maybe we're not exercising enough and all of that. So how did you begin this journey of writing this book and getting it into hands of people? Well, it was a, it was a long journey. It was thousands of hours of research 
and documenting and medical journals and listening to doctors online debate. There are a lot of doctors that will speak online, that will teach online about all these things. I went to about four different cancer conventions. And so I'm just immersing myself in all this information. And then I'm starting to see how it all fits together and how it's going to impact me. Some things I didn't see at first. I heard the first doctor say, you know, emotions, unresolved emotions and stress is a big part of uh, fighting cancer. You know, you've got to get this, this part straight. And I was like, yeah, I, th I think I'm okay there. Then I heard the second doctor say it. After I'd heard 25 doctors say it, I said, Lord, are you telling me that the stress and emotions in my life helped to suppress my immune system, which helped cause this? And then I look back, what did I do 15 years before I got cancer? I was taking care of all four parents on top of a full-time job as they died. And one was dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer, heart disease. And yeah, it the grief, long-term grief, not for a year, not for two years, 15 years of grief wow. and caring for parents and burning a candle at both ends. And I look back and I said, I see it now. This is definitely one thing that contributed to my cancer. Yeah, that's eye-opening. Wow. So what are some other things that you learned along the road doing this and researching? Well, exercise, like I told you, it just it just kind of blew my mind that here I was using it after my uh, surgeries to get back on my feet. And I was really doing it to release relieve stress because that's the way I am. Exercise is my stress reliever. So after my mm -hmm. first and second surgery, I walked two miles on the hospital floor and they were like, um, I don't think you can do this. And if you can just walk four rounds, we'll take the catheter out. And I said, well, it feels so good. I think I'll go to a mile. They go, um, okay. And then they called my doctor and they said, let her go. It's only going to promote healing in her body. I walked two miles and they were like, this is unbelievable. So they took the catheter out and my surgeon came by and said, you know, all those breast tubes you were supposed to nurse for two weeks, we were going to send you home with, we're pulling them all today. Your body's already taken care of it. Well, that worked so well when it got to chemo, which I did not want, of course. Mm -hmm. And I decided, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to walk two miles before chemo. And if I can, I'm going to walk two miles afterwards. Well, I want mm -hmm. you to know for the entire year of chemo and injections and infusions, I was able to do that every single day. There wasn't a day I couldn't do it. And then my doctors were so shocked at my blood work at the end. And then two years later, they call me into their office when I'm there and they go, we figured it out. I said, we figured out what? We figured out why you did so well during the cancer journey. We were watching this and that. And we understand these things. But this research has come out in Australia. 30 entities came together to make one report. And it says this, that exercise is the best thing a cancer patient can do, especially during chemotherapy. And I was like, mm. okay, so here's the deal, Doris. Usually you get chemo, you go home and lay down, sometimes all week. Mm -hmm. That's not what I tell my cancer patients to do. I tell them if you can, and you have the energy and the balance, that's if you can, and your doctor says you can, get up and move. And if you can walk a half a mile or around the block, I don't care, whatever you can do, you do it and do it several mm -hmm. times a day. And so now MD Anderson has a study and they found that the rats that had a moderate exercise routine during immunotherapy and chemotherapy fared better and it enhanced the immunotherapy. Mm. These are important things to learn. And when you keep looking at the research, things keep coming out. 
And I did not know this during the cancer journey, but I did have my naturopathic doctors kind of protecting me from the harsh mm -hmm. chemo with things they were doing to my gut, which was helpful. But when you finish chemotherapy, your gut lining has been destroyed. And that's where 70, maybe 80% of your immune cells are. And so you've got to rebuild it afterwards. Now, MD Anderson has a study showing that during chemotherapy, if you will eat up to 50 grams of fiber every day, healthy fiber of all different varieties, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, and six probiotic foods, you will fare better. That is so fascinating. So, I mean, these are things I didn't know during chemo. There are things I did know. There were things I didn't know in time. And sometimes because the research came out just a few years ago instead of when I was going through it. Wow. That is so fascinating. Like I keep saying that because it makes so much sense and it's not hard, but it's just the knowledge and knowing all of these things and how we can do this where it might be like, it seems counterintuitive to exercise after chemo, you know? And so you're showing and sharing with other people that get up and move and that's going to help you get through it and how the doctors were dumbfounded. They were, they are not now because yeah. of the research that's out. And like you say, that shocked the cancer world about exercise because so many mm. people lay down after mm. chemo for days and they become very sedentary. Mm. That is not the thing to do. You have a lymphatic system that's part of your circulatory yeah. system and we, you are sedentary and all those poisons have gone into your system. Your body needs to make use of those poisons to kill the cancer and then your lymphatic system moves it out. Your lymphatic system doesn't work properly if you don't move. It's the only mm. organ system, it's the only system in your body that just simply requires you to move for it to work. So we've got to do things. If people are going to survive cancer and do well, we've got to do things differently. Yes. And it is true, like, because someone might think, well, because I've just gone through this treatment, I need to rest and let my body rest. But that's not really what we're talking about here. Right. But they, they do need to make sleep a priority because it's during deep sleep. I learned that your own body detects and kills cancer uh -huh. cells. And it's because a hormone goes off in your body called melatonin, and it's a major immune builder and cancer fighter. So when you're in the cancer journey, sleep is a problem for people, but you have to make it a priority mm. because when you're going through those treatments, your body has to heal and recover from that and start killing some mm -hmm. cancer cells on its own. You really, What you really want is for the doctors to kill the cancer from the outside and for you, your own body, to kill it from the inside. And then you're going to get a better situation because when you come out, now you've trained your body to work the way God intended it to work. And then when they finish and they kill your cancer, hopefully because you've changed your lifestyle, mm. your cancer will not come back. That is powerful. And I, I know I have always heard that rest is so essential and that a lot of things go on in our bodies, things repair yeah. and replenish and all of that. We don't even know what's going on in our bodies right now. <laughs> things are happening in there. We have no idea. Miracles going on night and day, but they're more powerful at night. And we yeah. have to, we have to realize that, you know, a lot yeah. of Americans live this lifestyle of I can get less sleep and get more accomplished. Not a good idea mm. because when you don't get proper sleep, then you're allowing your immune system to be suppressed and more for cancer to grow and get out of control. Wow. 
and yeah, in our society, that's why it's such a sick society. Rat race life, yeah. That message of more, 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 go, 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 accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. Yeah, the rat race life for sure. So it's true. It's true. Wow. It's yeah. so encouraging just to hear these things because it isn't something that someone doesn't have access to. It's not like, okay, I had to fly over to Australia or some other part of the world to get these like experimental treatments or whatever. This is like right good stuff, like good food and rest. You know, these are things everybody has access to, you know, so that's really important to know. And so if you could just tell us a little bit more about how you are seeing your book being used and the feedback that you're getting from those who have gone through and read and, and studied what you, what you share in the book. Actually, I'm hearing from people literally all over the world. I have been interviewed enough and on so many podcasts and written media and whatever that I'm hearing, I get calls and messages from people in Australia and in India and in South Africa. And what people are saying is basically, your book has given me hope that I can make a difference in my own cancer journey. And for all the people who, you know, it's in their family mm-hmm. and they see it in the family tree, like it was in my family, very heavy, Yes, giving them hope that you know, maybe they won't get cancer if they implement these things. You know, Mm. the same eight steps that help you get through the journey are the same eight steps that help you prevent cancer in the first place. And then there's those people that don't want it coming back. So it's the same eight steps. And then it's the same eight steps to prevent heart disease, dementia, um, chronic diseases, and lessen your susceptibility to COVID-19. My brothers and sisters were just frantic that, I was going to get COVID and because I was a cancer, former cancer patient, you know, I was going to have all these comorbidities because of it. My body is working so well, I barely knew I had COVID. Wow. You know? Yeah. So the same eight steps would help if you got COVID, it would lessen, you know, your susceptibility for it getting out of hand. Yeah. You know, and I love that you're talking so much about healing. And of course, we believe in divine healing and the Lord can heal divinely. The Lord's created us for our bodies to heal via his design. And so this is this is healing. We're talking about healing. On an everyday basis, our body heals and regenerates every day. Mm. And when you realize that, you go, Oh, so you could even go through a cancer journey like me, have the worst of chemicals put in your body. Mm-hmm. And your body can heal and regenerate afterwards. Mm, Come back to full health. Now, that's if you're doing the right things. Mm -hmm. If you're eating the standard American diet and continuing to live the same lifestyle that got you in that situation, um, you're probably not going to do as well. Yeah. And then your background, too, because your first book, you were talking about being on the front lines of culture, being in halls of power in Washington, D.C. What was that? part of your life like? And did that also bring about quite a bit of stress? It certainly was stress. I'm a child of Watergate. Mm. And I became a Christian about six months before Watergate entered our lives, because my father was one of the president's men that was Mm. went through the Watergate trials. Mm. And so I was 16, had just become a Christian six months before. And I look back now and realize that God knew these storms were going to come to my family. Mm -hmm. And there were big storms. My mother succumbed to depression related to her background before we hit the Watergate trial. So I was already helping my dad raise my younger brother. We were already 
struggling with that. And then this came on top of it. But the people who had mentored me and brought me to the power of prayer, they were teaching me God's God's word. And I'm sitting there relaying all this to my dad who brought me up in the church, but sees the church as a force for moral good. And that's all he sees it as. Mm -hmm. And so when he saw that my prayers were answered and out of 60, there were 67 men tried in Watergate. Only two did not go to prison. Mm -hmm. He was one of two men. He realized that God had answered my prayers and that God was a little thought he was. And I learned from Watergate, when everything goes against you, you can always bow on your knee Mm -hmm. and you can depend on God. So when cancer came, I used the same things I had used in getting through the Watergate years, you know, Mm -hmm. dependence on God, realizing he's going to use it for good because I saw how God took my dad from the Watergate trials, past going to prison, and then he brought him to faith in Christ. He left his legal and political career and went into full-time ministry and did ministry for 25 years. I saw God do that. I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, God's going to use this whether I live or whether I die. And that's the way I looked at the cancer journey. I just didn't know at that time that I was going to live for sure. You know, you just don't know, <laughs> yeah. not with what they were telling me at the time. So, you know, you learn that we we live by faith. We walk by faith. God is always there and he's going to use whatever circumstances happen in our life for our good and for his glory. And I depended on that. Amen. Wow. That. That is something right there. That is a lot that you have been able to share and have gone through so that you can help others in the journey. As the word tells us, you know, that we share our experiences with others to help them see the hope that we have so that they can have hope too, hope in Christ. So this has been so fascinating. And I just like would love if you could share how the listener can connect with you, Jenny, how they can grab your book and all your books, um, and how they can find out more about this health journey that, you know, we really need to be conscious of. And it's not just a fad. It's not just a, you know, a thing. It's like, it's, it's a part of life and a lifestyle change. Yes, it is. The best way to get in touch with me and to look more at the books and everything else is to go to my website, www.jennybrant.com. You can subscribe to my cancer prevention and wellness blog. You can see my books and where to buy them. And my blog has a lot of helpful information. I just posted yesterday. I know this is hard for people to believe, but there are five downsides to prosperity. Mm. I talk about the foods that, you know, fight cancer the most. Blueberries cut off blood supply to cancer tumors. So there'll be an article about all the benefits of blueberries, you know, and what they do for your health. So it's just Mm -hmm. constantly posting and they can get a lot of information that way. Okay, great. Well, I am excited to get this out and I'll have the link in the show notes for your website so that they can reach out to you. I just love earlier how you were sharing your journey and the importance of a healthy lifestyle. But I also want to point out again, because this is something that when I read it, it, it really made an impression on me, how every single risk factor that was listed that would say, hey, you are in a high risk category to get cancer, none of those applied to you. And I think sometimes people could fall into the trap of, well, I don't smoke, I don't do this, and you know, this or that, and kind of discount themselves, you know, from the the 
fact that they can certainly do that if they're not living a healthy lifestyle. And they might think they are living a healthy lifestyle, but not and doing that. that with things. me, exactly. And today the cancer rate has gone in 1930 from one in, um, one in 30 to now it's one in two for the generation born today. Wow. So when you realize that, yes, you cannot smoke and not drink, which are risk factors for cancer, and you can still get cancer. And I kept saying, but I don't mm -hmm. do this. I don't do that. Why did I get this? Now I understand why I got it. So mm. thank you so much for sharing all of this. Uh a wealth of knowledge. We were talking about prosperity and, and this is a different kind of wealth. This is wisdom from God and a wealth of knowledge that we are not to keep to ourselves and to share with other people to bring yeah. them to freedom and ultimately to point them to Jesus. <laughs> so this has been such a blessing. Well, thank you for having me. I do want to say that if they go to JennyBrandt.com slash unleash, they can subscribe to my blog and they will get a, a cancer prevention tips as well as my famous chocolate banana blueberry smoothie, which I'm drinking right now, which helps build your gut, Ooh. lower your estrogen levels and fight cancer. And it tastes good. That, that's the key. Nice. It tastes good. <laughs> okay. We're definitely going to take advantage of that. So thank you. That's a very generous offer and healthy and help us on the right road. So I know you've encouraged me and challenged me, uh, you know, just in the time that we've talked. And I know that it will inspire and encourage and challenge others who are listening to take that step to a healthier lifestyle and change those statistics, because that is just like, there is definitely something wrong with that, you know, with those, uh, with those, what did you say? One in two people? One in two today, they're predicting by uh, 2030, it'll be one in one. But that's a prediction. Nobody wow. can predict accurately, yeah. but it's possible. It'll just be a common thing eventually, the rate we're going. Yeah, it's sure going in that direction for sure. So thank you, Jenny, so much. And again, I encourage the listener to check out uh, Jenny's website. I'll have that in the show notes for you. And again, her book is something you want to grab and grab several copies because you want to give these as gifts and give these to friends. Unleash Your God-Given Healing, Eight Steps to Prevent and Survive Cancer. Thank you again, friend, for being on the show. It's been a great joy, and I hope to have you back on again. Great. I'd love to. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you so much. God bless you, and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.